You're listening to Electioneering with me, Dominic Mingala. Mark Lucas is away, but my guest is man of the tactical voting moment, Josh Russell, who runs the movement forward, which has developed a first in British political history, a tactical voting website for the local elections. StopTheTories.vote aims to help progressive voters defeat Tories in about half of the elections taking place across the country. It's a website that does what it says on the tin, and the man who made the tin is here to talk us through it. Welcome, Josh. Josh, oh, I can't speak English. Welcome, My, my Josh, name is an awful. Josh Russell. Do you know I used to have a lisp when I was a kid? My name creates a lisp. It's weird. This is it, Josh Russell. Yeah, my middle name is Herschel. Try putting that in there. <laughs> Josh Ru- Herschel Russell. Yeah. Oh, that, your parents are cruel. I'm, I'm named after the guy that discovered Uranus. <laughs> yeah. It's getting better and better. Oh. The, um, <laughs> I had this lisp, right? And I didn't even hear, I couldn't hear it until I was, I think, about 11. Oh, wow. And my parents sent me to speech lessons. Oh. And it was a total waste of time because I couldn't hear the thing that I was supposed to be fixing. I just didn't, oh. I couldn't hear the difference between a sir and a sh. Wow. And when my brother made his first film, I was in it. And I had a scene, which was a really big deal, um, on the pier at Ride. And I learnt my lines and everything. And we were there we were shooting on the pier at Ride. And some of my dialogue was um, about my... Fr- I felt jealous of a friend who used to go fishing with his dad. And they would go out all night. And why couldn't I do that with my dad? And... Um, so I delivered my line and the whole crew just fell about and I had no idea why, because the line was my friend and his dad, they go out and they sit in a shelter all night, which of course came okay. out as something else. Yeah. And um, I think it was only then that I realized that, hang on, I've got, a, I've got a speech impediment here and I've got to try and work out mm. what it is. And um, so forgive me for not getting Josh Russell. Right. No, and, um, Josh Forward on Twitter. There you Josh go. Forward. Yeah. And so we're doing a little sort of emergency special edition of electioneering because it's the local elections tomorrow. Um, and by the time this is out, it'll probably be the local elections today. And um, the brief of, I don't know if you know, Josh, is the, the brief for our podcast is to think about um, from a sort of presentational perspective, what it is that the parties are doing to win hearts and minds and what they should be doing. And the sort of logic of that is to think a little bit about the last, you know, the inter- interim week and what's been going on and, you know, what they've got right and, and what they've got wrong. And uh, so maybe you could join me in a little bit of your impression or our joint impression of what's been happening lately. Yeah. And then, but the main thing is to talk about um, the elections and what you've been doing with cheering on from the sidelines from yeah. me and others <laughs> to encourage people to vote tactically. So we'll do a little bit of what we're supposed to be doing in the podcast, and then we'll move on to what you're doing. Um, And um, so, well, what's been happening lately, what I think has been happening is it's a funny thing in the run-up to an election. There don't seem to be many election-friendly manoeuvres on the part of any of the parties, really. I I, I think it's hard to see how the public order bill is much of a vote winner as a friendly offer from the Tories. And I think yeah. obviously their voter ID, I mean, I think their voter ID requirement is a mess. I think it's quite extraordinary that there have been um, Tory candidates, leaflets put out that say you don't need any ID to go and 
vote and I can't put a story to that. I don't know sure I believe the stories to that and maybe you do, but it is. I controversial view on that one. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Oh, I, I think partially it was an innocent mistake. They copy pasted mm. from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and partially uh, it's actually true in relation to uh, postal votes and, and facts that you can actually just turn up to polling station with a postal vote mm-hmm. and hand it in without having to provide ID. But they communicated that really poorly in the, in the um, I think the punctuation did not help so <laughs> no. across as if they were actually, you know, trying to mislead. Now, the, the, the other side of it, of course, is it was a flyer for their own um, voters, you know, so who knows how it was read, but I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on that one. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think there were some conspiracy theories about it. And I think I'm probably with you that it was more an accident and a grammatical error. And like like you, I imagine I did know about the postal vote thing because that's what I do is I give myself a postal vote. And then if I forget to post it in, I can still take it down. Yeah, which is a really powerful thing for people that don't have voter ID. You can ask Mm. for a postal vote and not have to provide ID. Hmm. Um, you know, and who knows if that will change. But um, at the moment, yeah, it's it's the easiest way to vote right now. And certainly the the alternative of getting the voter authority form, whatever it is, hasn't just not worked at all, has it? I think 4%, yeah, 3 or 4% of people who, who would have been thought to need one have actually gone ahead and got one. So that hasn't worked at all. It's absolutely scandalous. Awareness is right up, though. Um, I think there was a, a big kind of ramping up of awareness on voter ID, but it's the extra step, of course, the, the hoops you have to jump through to actually get it. Mm. You know, and, and that's the problem, isn't it? But I mean, like, as you say, it would be better if people just got themselves a postal vote. Yeah. And um, I suppose the complications, where are you going to be living and all that stuff that, um, yeah. on, on the other hand, in order to be on the electoral roll, you do have to have an address. So um, yep. I don't, I don't know, but I think you know it stinks, and it's not going to make it's, it's on it, on its own. It's not a good thing for the Tories to have done. And what else are they doing? They're having a taking a pop at Sue Gray and trying to make that you know sort of dig dig themselves even further into the story of of um, you know a disobedient and recalcitrant civil service. And you just think, come on, how is that edifying? I mean, so I have I've worked in in government. Um, I, I was not a civil servant, um, but you know I understand the pressures of you know what it's like to be one um, by being around them a lot. And you know the one thing I'll say is that they all try bloody hard to implement policy to the to the best of their abilities. You know, um, and my personal opinion is that when you've got really really difficult policy to implement because it almost is impossible to implement. Um, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Find me some Brexit benefits, and I want them right. by lunchtime. <laughs> do something, do something impossible. But by the way, I'm taking a budget away. Yeah, you know, or I've got this other law that's happening over there that's going to make it harder or contradict it, or you know, oh, it's different to the one that we had last week. Um, and also, you know, we might change it in a month or two if we mm. might get this other bill through or not. Mm. I mean, you you can't keep up really, and so much of what happens in civil service is trying to predict, you know, on the, on the big project stuff and the big transformation stuff is trying to look ahead, right? And trying to actually um, think about long-term change. And you can't do that if things are changing around you every day. Or, you know, um, I mean, I remember when I first joined, this is back in 2011-ish, when one of the departments was splitting in half. I mean, that's just like something you put into a, you know, a, a, a single paragraph in a manifesto. But can you imagine actually splitting a department in two? Mm. the logistics and the cost of that mm. 
you know, uh, it's just insane. Um, mm. And then there's a tension between the perm secretaries, the ministers, you know, the heads of departments and then all the agencies inside those departments that are all trying to do their own thing and get things done. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I could talk yeah. to a whole podcast about that. We could. And, um, but I suppose um, uh, the reason I mentioned it, so I was just trying to sort of wrap my brains to think of anything positive. I mean, genuinely from their point of view that the Tories have put out that might make them attractive to someone who was wondering about voting Tory. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a single thing, which is not to say I'm, I'm seeing much from the others either. It seems to have been quite a fallow week. I think, well, I mean, we'll, we can come on to what the others have been doing, but I think the Conservatives, you know, Lee Anderson, uh, in, you know, was interviewed, wasn't he, a month or two ago, right? And he basically said, you know, last time we had Brexit and Boris and, and Corbyn, and, you know, now we don't have those, do we? <laughs> right? Um, so all we've got is culture wars and, you know, trans stuff. Yeah. They know they've got nothing to offer. Yeah. They know it, you know, and so yeah. all they've got is, oh, the other guys or... You know, oh, those people that are coming to ruin your life, you know. Um, and as Marina said on Mog's show, you know, yeah, that's the only way you you, you can win because you've got nothing to offer. Mm. So you're you know, talking about Marie, Marina Perkis on the Jacob Rees-Mogg yeah. show on GB, GBBs, as James O'Brien calls it. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, if they did have real things to offer, uh, why would they be doing all the things that they do to inhibit votes or, you know, mask what's really happening? Um, it's not the behaviour of an honest actor, you know, as they say. It is not. It is not. But you might have thought that they would also have something positive to dangle. You would imagine. At, at what appears to be a crucial time for, you know, if you're Rishi Sunak, you've got to be thinking, if I, if I, if we don't tank at the locals, then maybe I've got a chance of hanging on. You know, that's that puts yeah. Boris to bed, and I've got a chance of being the guy who, you know, I can, I've got a chance of a controlling the party between now and the next election and also you know being it being damage limitation when that day comes so you'd have thought they'd have a better go than the go they've had if you think about brexit right brexit's a really interesting one in terms of the messaging they in my opinion piggybacked on top of um one of the most important topics in the country one of the most important institutions in the country and frankly a progressive idea right the nhs yeah they mm. said that there'd be money for the nhs um i'm not going to mention the amount that was on a bus mm. um doesn't really matter people were motivated to vote for brexit because of the nhs what that says to me people really care about the nhs they mm. really do they mm. care about this what i think is a progressive idea you know um if you want to put a label on it it's a socialist idea yeah you know, that's a whole nother discussion uh, and they used that, even though it wasn't entirely true, you know, clearly with their intentions. But they used that because they knew that actually those are the ideas that people care about. Mm -hmm. Right. So next time, what are they going to do? I wouldn't put it past them um, to essentially lay out that they are the most pro-environment party, the most pro-worker party, the potentially even most pro-EU party. <laughs> right. Um, pick a topic. They will come out as the most pro-progressive insert topic here party. You know, I've, I mm. really do think that they'll do that um, mm. because they actually do read the polls. Yeah. <laughs> they know what people care about. They have, in my opinion, no intention of doing anything about any of those things. 
nothing real and if they no, do they'll not. use them to no, you know do what they've done with the ppe stuff for example yeah so if they come out for as the greenest party it'll be a way to have someone like michelle moan set up some wind turbine company right um so mm. they can give her a load of money mm. allegedly mm. right <laughs> yeah so like yeah. they know what to use to to get people interested in them but they because they have no intention of delivering on any of it, any of it they don't um, they don't have to go into a lot of the detail. They just have to kind of put out three word slogans, you know? Yeah. And just yeah. do it down towards the back end of the election when there's no time for anybody to scrutinize what they've right. said. And what's the big one? Nurses. Mm. Yeah. I mm. bet you anything leading up to an election, they will give nurses a pay rise. Uh, it will be bigger than we expect. And they'll be able to point at that and go, see, we did the right mm. thing. We are pro NHS, pro worker, mm. all that stuff. Right. Um, and people will buy it. There'll be people who probably want to buy it anyway, but I suppose, nevertheless, I make my point, and you know, it's all very depressing, um, but nevertheless, <laughs> I make the point that this week they haven't done it. And no, that, I feel like Sunak's in, um, doing amazingly well at the, at the moment, better than he deserves to be doing. But I don't think he, I think he's only one slip up away from catastrophe. And I don't think he's taken advantage of an opportunity to, you know, mitigate the disaster that's about to befall the Conservative Party, fingers crossed. So what about Starmer? I mean, I think it's absolutely extraordinary that two days before, or even one day before the election, I think it's absolutely extraordinary that they've come out now saying that they won't be able to abolish tuition fees. And I don't know whether they've been, you know, forced into it by a leak or whether there's some, what do you think? I don't know whether there's some some sort of machismo in saying we worked out we can't, won't be able to afford that for now. And, we're, you know, it's an indication of responsible financial stewardship. But it just feels very disappointing. There's nothing in its place to make you feel okay i can't have that for now but i've got this other thing what's the what's the other thing there's, there's almost nothing left to hang on to yeah we're not doing that because we can do this or whatever mm. it might be yeah some sort of mm. trade-off i mean for me it was like i haven't actually looked into the detail of this one i've obviously been really really busy this week but um what prompted them to even announce anything you know that was that's the question for me like why yeah. where did this come from like yeah. who was asking yeah, you know, like you said, was it a leak of some sort? I mean, mm. like so much going on right now with the Labour Party could be solved by them just not saying much. Mm. You know, if if mm. they just kept quiet and let the Tories destroy themselves, I mm. think everyone would be a lot happier. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, what prompted that? I don't know. I mean, and the answer to uh, obviously the whole education discussion is education is an investment in our country. We always knew that. It's only recently that um, it's been seen as something that, you know, is something that has to be paid for by the people getting the education. It's an investment that the country puts in its future, right? So that's that's what education is for. It's really obvious. Why would we want a dumb, uneducated, uninformed population, mm. right? It's not mm. good for anyone. Mm. Uh, so that's the first thing. And secondly, how do you pay for it? Tax. Mm. There's mm. no more. That's the whole thing. Tax. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And it's not as if the tuition fee system has worked. I mean, it's just, it's just, just, it's just a mess and um, it's really unfair and it's really causing a huge amount of heartache and uncertainty to people. And it's, you know, it's not as if it's a good system that anyone wants to stand and defend. But no, I think, you know, I guess probably, probably they were forced by some sort of leak 
into talking about it now. And if they weren't, I don't think it was a brilliant idea to mention it now. But on the other hand, I would say that Starmer's PMQs have been, I think, quite good the last last two Wednesdays. And not particularly in what he's actually said. I don't know if you did you catch them or not? I, I did not catch You've been them, busy. You've been busy. Yeah, um but, but you know, so this week he was saying, Can I ask the Prime Minister if he knows the number of people who are now having to pay more on their mortgage because of the cock-up of trustonomics. And soon that just went off on how marvellous how marvellous they were and, you know, running the economy. And, they get the um, questions up front, don't they? They, they, they get they the, do. Just, they he do. does know what he's going to be asked. Yeah, he does, yeah. And that, he makes no attempt at all to come up with real No attempt at all. Yeah. And, um, and Starmer said, well, the answer is it's 930,000. 930,000 people now are paying wow. more on their monthly mortgage than they were before the, the trust Quarteng debut. And the other side started to laugh. And he said, you think it's funny, these people are having to pay more on their mortgage. And it was, and that tone of yeah. what the hell are you doing yeah. was brilliant from Stalmer. And I've been hoping he would do that for a bit, which is just, to be like the man like you and me, the man in the street, and what the hell is this yeah. about? You know, people are suffering. And he said, you know, people are going to have to, young people who want to buy their first home are going to have to, because of this, on average, are going to have to uh, save for another four years to get their deposit. Ten. And because the point is things will change over those four years. Yeah. Right? So you're yeah. talking compound kind of effects, right? Well, I don't know how they worked it out. No. Um, but he's but he said, you know, it's another four years of staying at home with mum and dad and not having your independence. And, you know, this is this is serious stuff. And it just really sat well against at one point he said, you know, nine grand, which is a figure they were talking about. And the nine grand, he said, you know, the prime minister might recognize that number as being roughly the annual bill for heating his swimming pool. And <laughs> um and I just think actually those that sort of hands in the air what are you doing and do you not understand yeah. what what the people are going through and because you've got you know you've got everything really worked for me and i think it's just a, i think it's almost irrespective of the content is the right tonal approach so there's some good stuff in there but i'm yeah. uh, i'm not seeing much much of a sort of sort of positive fight for these for these elections on on from any party really so there's a few things there, aren't there? Like, you know, just on the, on the mortgage stuff and the housing cost stuff, right? I mean, there's, there's a great video that maybe we can link in the description or, or something um, mm. on YouTube, which is uh, the housing problem is the everything problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and it goes into great detail about how if you focus on fixing housing, almost every other aspect of society starts to improve, um, which is a really, really interesting video. And I, I do think that housing is a big one. Um, you know, I've, I've got a history of being involved in housing cooperatives, you know, so shared ownership and mm. um, common management and that kind of stuff. Right. So there's lots of ways of doing it. Um, land trusts is a, is a great, a great idea that I think should be more commonly adopted um, where you have land in trust of communities. Um, and then also the um, uh, YIMBY, yes, in my backyard movement mm -hmm. as well, right, where you give uh, what in America they would call zoning control to communities mm. to decide what gets built and what properties are used for and that kind of stuff, right? There are definitely ways of fixing uh, not just housing, but the purposing of building, right? 
Yeah. That's the first thing. Second thing is that, you know, the trope of, you know, and then they came for, right. Um, yeah. You know, whatever it might be, whichever community is next, you know, mm. they came for people with mortgages. Mm. They, the Tories came for homeowners. <laughs> I know. It's mad, isn't it? It is mad. <laughs> it is mad. Yeah. Like which, which strategist thought that was a good idea? Yeah. Now, I know that that's the wrong question. Mm. There was no strategy. Mm. Right? Uh, it was a side effect of some other dumb thing that they did basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, which again, they, they are only worried about, the, they only, they only think about the current quarter, don't they? You know, how much money can we make this quarter? And of course we know that the, uh, Quarteng and um, trusts and, you know, obviously cost us a lot of money and that money went somewhere uh, allegedly. Um, the repercussions, well, it's not their problem. And it's the whole thing about, you know, how it's so easy to burn something down and really, really difficult to create something and build it, right? They are great at burning things down. Um, mm. you know, and, you know, we already have a housing crisis. We already have a homelessness problem. Um, I dread to think what's going to happen to those 900,000 people and their mm. families. Because mm. economically speaking, it's now going to be more expensive you know, it's going to be a higher cost on society because of all the things that are going to have to support those people that are going through issues. Mm. You know, it's almost an argument for giving people free houses, you know, mm. just give people free houses. It's mm. cheaper, you mm. know, making economic arguments for that without even having to look at the economic benefits of doing it. Mm. When you're in a situation where you're about to put a whole new burden on the mm. purse strings of the country, mm. uh, it's just an own goal, right? Mm. You know, so, and I think when it comes to the, the future narrative and what people could be talking about, you know, one thing to highlight, of course, is just the huge financial waste and the cost of everything that's going on right now. And just looking at what we could be doing with it, you know, mm. like, and I'm not even talking about, um, again, the, the financial upsides of doing good things to society, just the wastage, right? Just the wastage. Mm. Mm. Um, from my civil service time. So I was involved in uh, procurement in the cabinet office. And one of the projects going on there um, was about uh, trying to understand what was in what, what we called at the time the mega contracts, right? Uh, and a mega contract of government, this is a slight tangent, but bear with me because it's important. Mm -hmm. um, the mega contracts were classed as any contract with a third party company you know, one of the big, you know, big strategic suppliers that you can go and see on the website mm. that was over half a billion pounds a year, mm. right? And the job was, first of all, find them. Well, that's an alarm bell. Why don't we just have yeah. a list of those, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, second of all, <laughs> what are they for, right? Wow. What are they for? What's in them? What are the third-party contracts, you know? So you've got like primary supplier, secondary supplier. Mm. And, but most of all, um, what what are we paying for that we're not actually even utilizing inside those? Mm. You know, we're giving company X half a billion pounds a year for something, generally minimum seven year contract, by the way. So you're talking three and a half billion pounds. Mm. Um, and a year in or two years in, you might realize you don't need half the stuff you've got in that contract, but you've still got to pay them. Mm. Right. Um, mm. And so it's cheaper to go to court, mm. you know, spend 50 million quid taking some large tech company to court, mm. um, you know, and save billions of pounds now mm. of course the conservative uh, right-wing male would then point at the huge wastage of taking companies to court wasting so much money 
mm. because there's no nuance. Nuance is dead, right? Yes. When it comes yeah. to that kind of conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just to look at the wastage, you know, you could you could invest in whatever it might be, NHS, education, housing, you know, all sorts of public services. Um, just with the money we we piss down the toilet, frankly. Mm. You know, and then you've got an upside from having spent that money too. I mean, there are so much many better ways of doing all this stuff. It's just, and it's not, I'm not an expert on this, mm. you know, and I'm, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, if you didn't waste the money, you could spend the money. That makes sense. It does mm. make sense. Mm. Um, so these are the things that I think, you know, when I'm talking about the future, um, maybe the Labour Party can't talk about this stuff because it's hard. I get it. We can talk about it though. It's a job for us to talk about what the actual narrative of the country is right now, which I believe is progressive. When you look at support for policies, uh, you know, it is, there is a huge amount of support for progressive policy. Um, look up the common ground. Um, yeah. And then, you know, of course, what we can do is say and highlight, look, this is the stuff that actually is going to be vote winning, like you're hinting at, you know, um, pick a thing. I mean, one of the, one of the things in the common ground report um, shows that, um, I'm, I'm going to get the numbers slightly wrong, but basically majority support across the voting spectrum for things like universal basic income. Yeah. So if most people want that, at mm. least look into it, mm. you know, at mm. least think, oh, maybe if we kind of present some form of that, maybe that might get some votes. Mm. Again, we can, we can make that happen. We, we are the ones that should be highlighting what the country really wants, mm. you know, Mm. My fear is that parties just look at the Daily Mail, basically. Yeah, and certainly they, the parties don't seem to be the places where new ideas can flourish. So they're, they're places where ideas go to die. It's very dispiriting. But I think that is why people like you and me, and I know we're going to talk a little bit in a minute about Carol Vorderman, um, <laughs> you know, are actually doing this sort of stuff because somebody's got to. You know, and you realise that that somebody might actually be you. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Let's roll on to what you're doing. I didn't introduce you. <laughs> um, I stumbled on your name and then I couldn't get into the movement forward. And um, I know you and I have been um, uh, activists together for the last few years, but I know you've had a long and distinguished career in activism and um, charitable fundraising and that sort of. Do you want to say ten seconds on that, and then we'll get on to the meaty stuff? Yeah, I, uh, ten seconds is tight. But I so I emailed someone else <laughs> uh, just last night, and I tried to sum this up, and it was like, well, I was at the poll tax march when I was ten, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then you know one of the first big places I worked uh, was Comic Relief, you know, and on Make Poverty History and Live Eight, which was one of the biggest campaigns the country's or the world has ever seen. Um, you know, and then I've also, I've got a tech background as well. So I've, I've done all sorts of work in the tech industry, product kind of understanding and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, procurement in the cabinet office, at, uh, at GDS, the government digital service. Um, but yeah, I mean, campaigning and, um, activism, like you say, it's just like, someone's going to do it. Right. And at some moment you kind of go, all right, I'll have a go, you know? Um, and I think. Yeah. yeah, everyone and gets that eventually. Yeah, and what you find is um, a lot of like-minded, smart people um, with great values yeah. um, who are giving their time for free. But I'm sure we'll touch on that in a minute as well. Um, and maybe, you know, not advancing their careers because this stuff is important. Um, oh. So I salute you for that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um can you tell us then, tell me about, uh, tell listeners about, because I know, about um, 
Uh, so Hugh Grant famously said, if a Tory can be stopped, he should be stopped. Yeah. And so you and your team, with encouragement from um, people like me, have come up with um, stopthetories.vote, which is a tactical voting website, yeah. um, first ever tactical voting website tailored to the local elections. As far and as we were, yeah. As far as we know, and it's launched. Um, we probably would know if there was had been another one, wouldn't mm. we? But it's a good caveat to to put. And then launched last week to, I would say, pretty amazing uh, fanfare and engagement online. Um, and um, I, I think it's worth before we talk about the website itself, talking a little bit about why tactical voting just to remind ourselves mm. really um i mean i think you know to, to just think about the pros and cons of it for a moment so i know you take for granted and maybe i do too but i just think you know we had this amazing experience of um north shropshire last year when a mm. seat that had been you know 200 years tory when people clubbed together uh to vote on mass so when when and progressives saw that they could decide together not to split their vote, but to use it as one. Um, they could actually unseat a, a Tory candidate who had been, you know, had been a Tory seat for centuries. And I just thought that was, and that wasn't the only brilliant by-election result in recent mm. times when people clubbed together. And um, then there was Wakefield as well, and Wakefield, um, Overton, exactly. and Sanderson. Am I yeah. getting that right? Uh, um, you are. And um, Batley and Spen was actually was a Labour hold. It wasn't a. That's right. It wasn't a um, an unseating, was it? But um, uh, you know, there've been some brilliant by election results because people have been so furious with the the Tories that they've just they've taken it into their own hands to vote tactically. And so, I think yeah. what we're saying here is let's help people, especially in the local elections where it's really harder to know what's going on and who who might be in with a chance, and people are less clued clued in to give them the help that they might need to do the same trick again, to unseat as many Tories as possible in those wards where there is a genuine progressive majority. And uh, I think it's worth saying that because, to my yeah. mind, the genuineness of the pro progressive majority is what makes it so compelling and powerful and actually democratic. And I've noticed that, that you know, some people want to suggest that it's sort of cheating but that is not cheating uh what's it, it just what's happened is we've we've got first past the post and the only way you know until you get pr some form of pr the only way to get results which reflect the overall progressive tone of a constituency is for those progressives to think strategically and work together to at least get someone who isn't the one they really don't want you know so if i'm a if I'm a Lib Dem and I don't particularly like Keir Starmer's Labour, but I definitely don't want the Tories, I can vote for a Labour candidate and it may not be exactly what I want, but it sure as hell is a lot better than what I don't want. And there are these what um, Compass call, um, do they call them tragedy yeah. seats um, in, the, in the general election where there's a demonstrable majority of people who would would want to vote Green or Lib Dem or Labour, and they haven't voted as a pack, and that was let the Tory get the majority in the first past the post system, and so you're getting a lot of people getting an outcome that really is against their values, and the majority of people getting an outcome 
that is against their values. And, you know, we may not be able today to get ourselves PR and get fairer, fairer votes. And we may, you know, and this, the other side of it for me is that often people feel it's not worth voting because it will just be the outcome that it always is. And one vote, what difference does it make? Well, this tells you and what those by-elections in, in recent times tell you is actually it does matter that you vote and it does matter that you vote intelligently and you can really, really cause an upset. So I'm really excited and proud of you for making this thing happen. Um, but uh, is there, I think maybe there's some cons as well to it. But are there any other pros that I've missed in that description? Um, are there any other pros in, uh, to tactical voting? I mean, yeah. I've, I think voting is basically, you know, our most powerful tool at the moment, you know, uh, while we still have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it's literally the mechanism we have to choose who our leadership is, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously that, uh, you know, very largely depends, you know, the success of it and how well it works depends on, you know, um, how it's designed, right? So like you're talking about... Um, representation versus current system first past the post so tactical voting is just saying look you've got this powerful thing that you no one can stop you doing you don't need to tell anyone you're doing it right you don't need to tell anyone who you're voting for you just show up you don't even need to show up you can do it by post mm. you know um and i i believe there is a progressive majority in the country and i think you look back historically through election results it's very clear um and tactical voting just says you know what and if you need to you know, if you want a particular outcome, here's who we think, or here's, you know, which, you know, whichever other service um, is offering information, here's who we think you need to vote for for that outcome. You know, and the large majority of tactical voting, of course, is um, against the Conservatives, Um, you know, and so I think it's just an extra step. And again, you know, you're not, you're not forcing people to do anything. Um, It isn't cheating. You're just using your vote. How is voting cheating? You know, it might be a simplistic way of looking at it. Um, But, yeah, no, it's just it's just an incredibly powerful tool. And some people just need to some people are like desperately want this information. Mm. You know, I want to get rid of my conservative MP, yeah. or my conservative councillor. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Literally all we did, you know, well, so okay, some background. Last year, very, very last minute before the local elections, uh, I put together a really quick video um to show you how to look up on Wikipedia uh who might be the best chance, right? Who who might mm-hmm. be the best option for you to vote for. Mm. Um, and you can just go and see the results for your ward um, and see which candidates got what votes and add it up and work it out and go, oh, right, okay, looks like most people voted this way last time. So if we all just voted that way, it would happen. You know what we did this time? We put a postcode search on the front of it. Mm. That's kind of it, mm. right? So now you don't have to go and search Wikipedia and work out which ward you're in. We've mm. gone and done that. There's a little bit of maths in there to do the averaging because you've got multiple candidates, and so the votes are kind of cast across multiple candidates for a party. Yeah. You know, the Lib Dems and the Labour Party and the Green Party might have all put up three candidates in a ward. Um, you know, so you've got to add those up and do some averaging. We explain it on the website. Right. Um, and then we go, right, well, we reckon seat one, seat two, seat three, here's your three votes. Um, and, you know, obviously in some there's only two votes, and some only, because uh, they've only got two councillors, and some councils are only electing a third of their Council says only one vote. Got it. Yeah. Um, so you got to check your um, ballot paper, you know, to make sure that you actually are making the right number of votes. Mm. Um, but then you can look it up yourself as well, right? We've got a link right there to the last mm. election results for your council, um, where you can go and see the data that we're using. 
Uh, we actually have we, our, our data actually comes from um, a, another resource that an organization called Democracy Club open uh, open up. Um, but it's the same numbers because the votes, the vote counts, right? I mean, um, yeah. But the Wikipedia one's just much easier to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also link to another service that shows you exactly which candidates are standing as well. You know, so all the all the all the information is there. The thing that we then encourage people to do, of course, is to do a little bit of research into the, who the people are. You know, um, what, there are lots of things that are very hard to know about local can, uh, council candidates. Um, you know, it might be that actually the party has a preference over which one you would vote for. It's very hard to know that. You might see yeah. on a flyer. We don't have all the flyers. Mm. Um, you know, and actually, you know, we've when it's been a close call I and mean, it's really it's a bit ambiguous. We don't offer any advice there. Uh, we just say, look, it's really, it's really close. Vote with your heart. Do some research. Have a look. You know, at the same time, if there's absolutely no chance of, of a conservative winning in that ward, again, vote with your heart. We're not going to tell you who to vote for. Yes, uh, <laughs> right. Because um, I noticed, I noticed one or two complaints that um, you haven't told people to vote Labour in a in a ward where the council was 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 already really Labour. Yeah. And why why are you telling us not to vote Labour? Are you you know are you biased? And anything actually hang on a minute. The site is called Stop the Tories. If the Tories aren't in power and aren't in danger of being in power, then this site you don't need the site. You can vote the way you want to vote. Yeah, totally. And you know, and same has been you know, I've seen I've seen people saying the same about the Lib Dems as well. It's like, oh mm-hmm. you, you know, you're biased towards the Lib Dems. So well actually if you you know zoom out a little bit and you look at all the councils and then you zoom back in, you actually go to the ward level information rather than just looking at the council. Because mm. just for clarity, like you know, we we're only make, making recommendations in about half of the seats, I think. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of independents. We can't make recommendations for independents if they were the second place or if they are incumbent, because who knows who they really are, right? Mm, mm. Um, thousands of them. Mm. You know? So we just go, you know what? We can't recommend, can't make a recommendation on, a re- on an independent. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the point is that this is, we're using public data. There are lots of different methodologies for doing tactical voting. Um, we're, we, we're keeping it quite simple. Um, we invite people to give us local insights that we require evidence mm. of for, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and we've had any, any take up on that of people, of people amount. contributed and that's huge interesting. Amount. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest jobs we've had over the last three days and the team has been like amazing on this, mm. uh, is sieving through all that. You know, I'm not going to say how much we've had, but it's, you know, we've had hundreds of, of, uh, we just did. <laughs> yeah, no, <okay>. you've done it. <laughs> but, um, the first thing, first thing is like you know we get a lot of people just basically saying you know why aren't you voting for my preferred party? Oh, sorry, mm. why aren't you making a recommendation? Yes, for my preferred party? yes, yeah. Uh, we we make no guarantee we're going to reply to anyone for, on any of this. It's just too much of a mm. mammoth task. Sure. So we do look at everything. We're mm. dismissing quite a lot, um, mm. but there are some genuine things we need to go and look at and go. Oh yeah, no, totally. When you take that into account, mm-hmm. sort of local insight. Yeah. So validating all that is very difficult. Yeah. So I guess the the kind of cutoff for that work will be tomorrow morning, presumably. So people should have one last look if they if they're relying on the site. Always have one last look in the morning, um, just in case the advice could possibly have changed in one or two, one yeah, or two no, wards. Absolutely, and especially mm-hmm. at the at the general election look have another look on your way to the polling station things do change and it's not just that we've changed our minds mm. no sometimes a, a candidate will stand down you know mm-hmm. um and if you're about yeah. to go and show up and vote for them yes i mean it's, yeah. it's rare but that kind of stuff does happen right? of course so, yeah. yeah 
yeah, or some, I guess, in the in the general election. So there could be some you might not have heard, but there could be some big piece of news that really affects one candidate's yeah. chances, and then the, the advice might change. But I think the obviously, as soon as you begin to dig into how you've done it, as simple as it might be, it's clearly a, an enormous amount of work, and I guess that's why nobody's tried it before. Yeah. Um, and maybe they haven't felt that the stakes were sufficiently high or the same height as the um, stakes in the general election. But I think this is a brilliant thing to have done. You know, we've sort of outlined a little bit why this election set of elections might be significant. And I just think it's brilliant to have done this and to have got people in the frame of mind for it, for the general election, whenever that might be. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and our first motivation really was because, you know, we were seeing a lot of people on social media asking for the advice, right? They're mm. out there. Who should I vote for? Mm. You know, and again, we're not telling people to vote a specific way. We're offering the information, you know, to help them get to the outcome they want. Right. So yeah, yeah. this is how you should vote if you want that. Right? Yeah. We're not saying yeah. we tell you to vote like this. Yeah. You know, um, but so the thing is, people are out there asking for it and looking for it desperately. Mm. You know, and actually, one of the things that was going on was that people were sharing the existing tactical voting websites uh, for the for general elections. Right. Not only you right. know, obviously, is that miles that, away from from being accurate. It's yeah. so different. Local politics is so different, yeah. and like granularly, you know, you got to look down to the ward level to see what's going on. Um, mm. And you know, not only that, but of course, the general election was in 2019. Yes, mm-hmm. we are using previous voting data as well. But the point is that that advice on those websites were generally from previous election data then. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But it's, it was great that people were looking for it, but they were finding it and getting confused. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think one thing, having looked at the site, is you can definitely can't say it's complicated. You know, it really is as simple as putting your, your postcode and maybe fine-tuning your address because obviously – yeah. Your your postcode doesn't quite necessarily one street could be half in one ward and half in another, and I I pity the poor people who've had to work that out. And it brings me to my next question, Ooh, yeah. actually, which is, um, who are all these? Who yeah. is this team of people? And have you got your money from to pay them all from George Soros? And if you've got George Soros's number, can I have it? Because I will. I need some money too. I will flippantly say, I wish. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so uh, Forward Democracy is the name of the organization, um, which was founded to uh, operate a, another platform that we um, built called Swap My Vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swap My Vote is what we're really known for. But, you know, it is at that point, it, it was basically an umbrella to be a parent of that project because we we're collecting email addresses, you know, and we wanted to make sure that mm. it wasn't just an individual, essentially. Mm. Mm. Um but there's no no collection of data on stop my stop the Tories, is there? We well, we do we do collect people's email addresses if they want to be uh, kept in the loop of other. If they put them on. in, if they put them in, but you yeah. don't have to put any data in to get the apart information from, apart from their postcode. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, my God, can you imagine if we were saying, "Give us your email address, and then we'll tell you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, no, we want the information to be out there. And again, like I say, the information is just out there on Wikipedia mm. and other places. You can go and do this yourself. You can go and build mm. your own website to do this yourself. Mm. Okay? Mm. Uh, and mm. actually, you know, if 
one of the things that we, we've been saying to people is like, you know, if you don't, if you think we're wrong with the recommendation, mm. go work it out yourself mm. using whatever information you can find. We'll mm. compare notes because it'd be really interesting to see what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know how many people have actually literally gone and done that, but I know, you know, I've been watching a few people go, oh yeah, got it right, you know, in my ward. You know, so. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that too. Um, but, you know, and, we, but, but, and so do you have any, how do you, how are you, have you, you must have a team of software yeah. guys. And <laughs> how, are they, are they all working like you? And I, I know you don't take any money. I was joking. Yeah. Um, and I know I don't. And um, are, are they all working for free? Um, so on this particular project, yeah, uh, it's all volunteers. Um, it's a very small team, uh, came together quite quickly. Um, we have crowdfunded for projects in the past. We are crowdfunding for this one. Yeah. Um, that's open for another 20 days, I think. Um, mm. there, there are costs, but they're not us. They are technical mm. costs. Um, right. So, you know, we, there's a cost for the postcode lookup that Democracy Club provide, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, we went over there with their free uh, allowance pretty quickly <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, yeah. you know um and then uh, we got a few server costs but that's not really that significant mm. um, but no we're not getting paid i would love to uh, i would mm. love this to be you know something i can commit a lot more time to um yeah. my, my mantra is that we're not going to change the world on the evenings and weekends you know it's important i think for organizations that are, are trying to you know do progressive work do it professionally and are mm. competitive literally mm. you know uh, and that does require paying people, you know, I, you know, like I said, I used to work at Comic Relief and they pay competitively because they know, you know, what they're trying to achieve. They need, you know, people that know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, we, so like, like I say, we have crowdfunded in the past, you know, but it's single digit thousands of pounds and like yeah. once every few years, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, we've all got day jobs pretty much or are, you know, freelancers or mm. something like that. Um, mm. I could think of lots of money that a campaign could spend. Uh, sorry, lots of things that a campaign could spend money on. Yeah, uh, obviously. And the the five grand that um, the mm. the fundraiser is asking for, how's it doing? Is it like sort of a couple of grand in or something? Let me have a quick look. And um, yeah, I f so I think we're just over two grand now. Right, and that money would go on the overheads that you've incurred, yeah. and to just anyone even get a pizza out of it. <laughs> uh no i mean i think you know we had a meetup at christmas for a, a few of our pals uh and yeah. i personally put 100 quid on the bar right you know, so that, that's kind of how we operate um and then you know someone else takes a turn next time hopefully <laughs> yeah um okay. no, there'll be no pizza out of this um no. i mean it's a very hard time to, to ask people for money at all of course you know mm. um mm. and um I think the the reason we did was to first show that there are some costs, you know, yeah, and yeah. it would be nice to cover them, yeah. Um, but uh, secondly, it's supporting you with a couple of quid is the mm. way that some people want to support you. Yeah. Um, not everyone wants to go on a march, uh, or wants to print a poster, or wants to you know get involved as a volunteer. Mm. Some people just want to go. Okay, here's a tenner. Yeah. Uh, and so you need to give them the, that way of doing it. And I think you need to give people the ways to engage with you, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so we did it. And I think also it's a bit of social proof, you know, mm. it shows that there's some people out there that are into it. It gives mm. us motivation. So, yeah, but, I mean, it is something that we put together quite quickly right at the last minute because um, mm. we were discussing about whether we should, um, we realized there might be some costs. And so we went for it. Good. And are you the um, are you the the face of this 
it is you isn't it there's no one else uh, I'm, only, um, I'm i'm being a troll for a moment yeah you know? yeah no you do it so have you, got, have you got someone else who's really doing it and you're just the, the guy or is you know just the face of it or is it you because I, I saw someone had posted um that you hadn't been transparent about who you were and there's me waving on, on twitter underneath going hello <laughs> yeah. But yeah. No, i mean you know in many ways they are right to mm. uh, call out that uh you know we don't have our faces all over the over the website and stuff right mm. so um so I am, I guess, the face of uh, StopTheToys.Vote and the movement forward. I, I think I call myself organizer slash coordinator mm. strategist, something, mm. you know, mm. like that. Uh, the original founder of Ford Democracy who built Swap My Vote uh, is uh, a friend, Tom de Grunwald. Um, he's, you know, um, he's awesome. <laughs> mm. He, again, uh, put that together as a volunteer with another team of another, another team of um of people actually to swap my vote that's just kind of like a little separate team on its own mm. um he has a day job too he's a freelancer mm. Mm. um yeah so he's the one that actually put four democracy together and i'm kind of like uh on the front end if you like yeah 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 and you've got uh, and you've got cheerleaders like me and um marina perkis and yeah asif kapadja and people like that on the crap as faces on the crowdfunder i think just just in case people you know, just of course. full full transparency in case people are wondering. Yeah, that I'm I mean, not how, you can't that. be more transparent than putting your face on something. And like, <laughs> you can't. I, I do you agree can't. that we need to do that on the websites, and you know, mm. so we will do that. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, we are trying to engage as much as we can. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's been obviously a very very busy day. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got a, an amazing group of people that have again, you know, put their put their hands up and said, yeah, we'll we'll support that. You know, and what that really means is. Uh, recognition if anything you know mm. it's a bit of saying yeah I, I'm willing to also sit alongside you and say yeah I'm, I'm up for looking you know for supporting this yeah You're not getting any money from any of the people on on, on the website um you know uh not getting it from me I can tell you that I'll yeah tell you, that you know straight away. Maybe you'll well, you've a dropped, from Christmas, you've dropped, that's about you've, it, right? Yeah, exactly. You've dropped a heavy <laughs> hint about the money behind the bar next Christmas. Yeah. The, um, but, yeah. Uh, but I think also, you know, I think it's, for me, it's a great pleasure to put my name and face to what you're doing. Um, and I'm sure that's true of the other um, folk who've supported this endeavour. And um, we shouldn't be coy, I, I think, about the online support people who haven't necessarily come along on the journey and the discussions to get to this point but the people who've said hey that's a great idea and are happy to put their endorsement effectively by retweeting or whatever online and i'm thinking of you know retweets that we've spotted you know from um james o'brien or um carol vorderman and you'll probably think of five more that really interesting great names um who are seeing what the difference that this could make and and happy to to um yeah um, publicize it for us dom jolly i think was one as well um yeah hello yeah hello that's me i'm at the polling booth that's rubbish (laughs) (laughs) um who else we had um oh there's a guy called dom mingella i think yeah actually dom Dom Jolly, I um, yeah, once yeah. met in a waiting room somewhere, and I was so excited to see him. <laughs> huge fan of his, and I, I tried to say hello to him. My sort of gauche entree was to say that I'm called Dominic too, <laughs> and I'm a big fan. He went, mm. 
It's just like, well, what, what are you going to do with right. that? Someone says, I've got the same name as you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, he, didn't, he didn't know what to say, and that was the end <laughs> of that. <laughs> so I messed that up. Uh, but no, I think um, there has been a fantastic response to this online. And uh, I know that there's been a lot of people trying the site to see what the advice might be for them. Do you think, as a sort of, to round us off, do you think... Um, what sort of how many voters need to oh. do a bit of use our site and do a bit of, i'm going to say ours i want a bit of ownership a bit of glory <laughs> um use our site and actually to make a real what sort of difference might we be looking yeah. at um i'm going to look at my phone because i've got some stats um but you know the thing about a council ward much much smaller than a parliamentary constituency so you are talking hundreds of votes not thousands mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which means that in some places, you know, way fewer than a hundred uh, can actually make all the difference. Mm. Um, you know, so if I was to tell people one thing they could do tomorrow, take a friend, right? Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Take a friend to vote. You could make all the difference, especially at the local elections. Uh, let me just have a quick look to make sure I articulate these stats right, because um, it's uh, when you're looking at stats, it's always a bit. Um, you need a, a couple of reads. Um, so in total, three hundred nine seats in 200 wards uh, where 100 votes or less could oust a Tory. Wow. So wow. I think that's a really interesting one, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So let's hope some of our listeners are going to, um, and followers are going to take this action and make a difference. And I, I, I remember when I was um, a bit drawn distant as a younger guy at university and thinking, I can't be asked to go and vote. And um, a guy... His name was David Ross. I'll never forget him when he's still a mate. Um, said that he had, in the year before I'd gone to university, decided not to vote. And he was, he was a Labour voter. And he didn't vote. And Labour lost by one vote. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, that is a progressive tragedy, right? I mean, yeah. So, um, and I've always thought that, even however powerless you might feel, you better go and vote. But what I think what this, what what the site that, that you've now created and the, the, the sense, you know, what we understand now about tactile voting is that it's kind of supercharges your vote, you know. Yeah. Um, so many your vote votes is suddenly a nuclear weapon. Yeah, I mean, and... so many votes are wasted, right, under the current system, um, you know, where a lot of people show up, they, they make the effort to go and do it and then it has no effect on the outcome at all. Mm. And that, that's the real tragedy, right? Because then what that ultimately means is that people representing you uh, are very often uh, are not the people that you voted for. Um, and in the general election, if you're only if the winning party is getting, you know, 33 percent of the vote or something, mm. um, there's these 60 percent of other people who are not represented in Parliament. Yeah. You know, now they may actually end up with an MP in Parliament, you know, uh, a Labour MP or a Lib Dem MP, you know, in the current um shape of the government of parliament sorry but then they've got no real power so all they can really do is sit on the other side and and uh you know try and counter things and call things out and get their sound bites in yeah there's a huge issue with representation um you know and obviously there's lots of different ways of doing it if if we you know if we're going to have a new system it needs to be one that is continually improved you know it can't just be right we've got a new thing now let's see how it works it's like okay Mm. we've got we've got the start of a new thing Mm. Now, how can we make it better, you know, mm. and just keep on doing that? Like you've got mm. an, I- an iPhone. We didn't just stick with the first one, did we? You know, mm. so, oh, mm. the camera's a bit crap. Let's let's make a better camera. Mm. You know? 
so we kept on doing that we should do that with our democracy uh, as well um we've explained what the site is and how powerful it can be and let's call that a wrap and and um see what happens tomorrow if i was to say one last thing um well if i if i can ever just say one last thing um <laughs> we worked out uh when we started thinking about what we might do for a new campaign um that uh this is the movement forward that is movementforward.com um that in in the time between the 2019 general election and when the next one could be which uh you know uh, december 24 roughly right is the latest point yeah um that all of the people that were not quite old enough to vote yet in 2019 that would now be old enough to vote in 2024 uh so they would be between is it the ages of 13 and 17 or something yeah would then become eligible in uh, in 2024 yeah do you want to have a guess at how many people that is how many how many teenagers essentially would now be old enough to vote put a number out out the air um i would say two million it's pretty close yeah yeah 2.4 million we worked out off right you know basically looking at census data and that kind of stuff yeah so the last thing i'll say is that you know the next election is theirs Mm. Mm. um and in america for the first time the the two uh youngest generations gen z and millennials now outnumber the two oldest generations so the greatest generation and the boomers so they are mm. the biggest voting demographic mm. you know and i suspect that the same is going to be true here mm. and so going back to a previous point about um what parties should be doing and who they should be appealing to mm. there you go mm. appeal to appeal to the large group of people which are going to be showing up hopefully uh, if we do our job um give them something to show up for yeah well i mean and i think they feel disenfranchised by the you know the economic system and like as you yeah. say the housing story is the big one and yeah. they're literally disenfranchised by voter id so let's um let's get people voting and um let's get let's get some change i just right, uh, just had a, a message saying that massive attack tweeted out stop the tories dot vote earlier today <laughs> so there you go we're on the right track very good <laughs> fantastic and on that happy note of endorsement i'm going to bid you farewell thank you so much God bless. You've been listening to Electioneering with me, Dominic Mingella, and my guest, Josh Herschel Russell. 